0: we hey.
1: Welcome to a special East Screen, West Screen called Streaming Asia. This is the show where we talk about movies, music, and awesome stuff from Asia, and where to get it. I'm your host, Paul Fox, still coming to you from sunny South Florida, and joining us once again after our long hiatus from just another Chinese city is Mr. Kevin Ma. Paul! Kevin! Paul, where are ya? <laughs> so it's been a minute. It's you know, I think our last <laughs> episode was in April of 2021 when we talked about uh godzilla versus kong and uh what yeah, I- that seemed that seemed like 10 years it ago. Does. it does i was like oh, gosh was that two years ago is it has it only been a year but um i don't
0: yeah, and, 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 i don't actually i actually don't remember anything from that film anyway so it's fine yeah it's been a while
1: i remember they fought in hong kong at the end
0: that's <laughs> fake about kong, it kong. yeah fake, fake hong kong, kong. kong. Yeah. so yeah it has been a while if
1: you are joining us for the first time uh thank you for listening and if you're coming back thank you for still listening Uh, We have been on more than a few hiatuses over the years and the years that we're recording, usually for life stuff and life issues. And uh, the past year, I mean, we're still kind of going through the whole COVID pandemic thing, although you probably wouldn't know it if you're living here stateside. I think you'd definitely know it if you're living in Hong Kong where Kevin's from. Um, But one of the big reasons I kind of put the show on hiatus was because I just wasn't able to go out and see a lot of stuff. I haven't been to... A movie in over a year and that may change soon Um, I just got my booster my second booster my daughter got her first booster and my youngest will turn five during the summer and he can um, finally be eligible for vaccination and that's kind of been the thing that's kept me away from mass gatherings in the cinema is the fact I don't want to bring something home uh, to him I know that kids are supposed to be immune but we're you know just overly cautious so once he gets his uh, vaccinations i think i'll be a lot more comfortable actually getting back out to the cinema um but if you don't know um like i said my name is paul fox used to live in hong kong we talk on this show a lot about asian cinema a lot of hong kong cinema in the past um and my good friend and co-host kevin ma is still in hong kong and he not only talks about movies he works in movies as well so kevin give him a brief uh, rundown of who you are what you do
0: so um my name is Kevin Ma, as, as Paul said. I am a mostly a translator based out of uh, Hong Kong. I do a lot of translation work for the film industry, so scripts, subtitles, uh, synopsis. I also do writing work for film festivals, so Udine Far East Film Festival, Hong Kong Film uh, International Film Festival, the Hong Kong Asian Film Festival. I'm running out of festivals. Um, I also do some interview work because thanks to COVID, uh, there's been a lot of uh, socially distanced Q&A and so they need me based in Hong Kong here to speak to Hong Kong filmmakers uh, so I've done Q&As for uh, what was it uh, I just did one yesterday actually I did one remotely for the Bali uh, Film Festival with director Stanley Kwan appeared on Hologram which is pretty amazing um, so that's the kind of work I do but mainly I really uh, my humble beginning was really in East Screen, West Screen with Paul so you were a hologram? Is that how it works? I was. I showed him a hologram. Actually, the first thing I said was, well, "Hello, I'm, I'm Obi Wan Kenobi." Okay. Yeah.
1: So, so you're you're in good company, along with him and
0: Tupac, right? Cause... Yeah. Yeah. I, well, actually, it's Princess Leia. But I, I was afraid the joke would go over people's head. I was going to say, um, "Save me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope." But it might be too geeky for the for the <laughs> Bali audience who stared to watch Rouge. So not exactly the right audience to make a Star Wars reference. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, here I am. Um, I've been. We've been doing this show since 2012, I think 2011, which is a long time ago. Actually, I think 2009 was one. My God! (laughs) And I think our first film was Overheard, right? I remember we talking about this when we did uh, like a hundred show or two hundred show or whatever. Yeah, it's
1: it's 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 been a minute. Um, But of course, we've missed a lot in between. Like I said, (laughs) we've been on hiatus more than once because of. Oh, lots of stuff. Kids being born, international moves, uh, COVID, you name it. Um, So the format here has changed a little bit. If you go back and listen to some of our older shows, uh, I think we're going to kind of um, keep it a little bit shorter and tighter and perhaps not uh, go into a lot of coverage like we used to do, but really just kind of say what's up with us and and get right into um, the meat and potatoes of the movie that we want to talk about or whatever it is we want to talk about um, going forward um but uh yeah i look forward to being able to get back into the cinema and there's not a lot of uh, you know access to chinese movies or hong kong movies anymore unfortunately Um not just because of covid but it just seems like a lot of stuff hasn't really made it over here i'm still waiting for um the anita movie to get released movie slash miniseries which is apparently all over the world on disney plus except in north america and just other stuff really hasn't made it over here we've talked before about how it's sort of a boom time for blu-ray releases though but unfortunately shipping is super slow (laughs) again because of covid so access has been um kind of sporadic and i'm hoping that will change in the not too distant future um i have kind of spent some time over on iq um they do have an Uh, English language app with uh, Chinese films out of the mainland subtitled but the stuff they release there you know can be really hit or miss it's not for everybody Um, so you know we do live in this sort of golden age of streaming with so much content Um, but unfortunately the stuff I really like to talk about especially stuff out of Hong Kong has just not been present so I've been spending a lot of time with um, a lot of anime there's been a lot of really good anime series coming out in the past um, year and a half or so so really been delving into that and going back and watching um, some old stuff and revisiting some stuff from a long time ago. I know Kevin has been very active on, as he said, the, the film festival scene and doing stuff online. And that's a good thing. Um, but even so, uh, I've tried to attend some things and I've seen some screenings uh, over the past year. But some screenings are still region blocked, even within a state, which really kind of rubs me the wrong way um but i know i understand that's the way it is right now and uh we've talked long and hard about uh, you know the, the need for region restrictions and why they exist even going forward when we're in an age where you know streaming and zoom meetings and all that's been taking off so we won't get back into that today but uh probably something that may come up again in the future um <laughs> i was supposed to actually be in hong kong right now right now as i'm speaking as we're recording this i was supposed to be there um, had planned a trip over uh, with my daughter, and we just couldn't bypass all of the the reg- regulations and restrictions um, that are in place right now. And I don't know if that will change by the time this episode gets released. Uh, things have been changing slowly in Hong Kong. But um, at the time when we were booking the trip, they had just opened up to residents to be able to come back. But you still had to do a week in quarantine and then a week of home quarantine. And the problem was that we figured out, because I, I actually booked a quarantine hotel. I was having a very difficult time arranging flights because the flights we used to take don't exist anymore because airlines have kind of, you know, tightened up and there are less flights now. So we had to like fly for like 36 hours um, with a couple of different stops to get to Hong Kong from where we are here in, in Florida. And trying to line it up so that we'd land at the right time to get to the hotel in time uh was tricky enough but then the problem that we were hearing was that there was a potentiality that if either myself or my daughter um were positive while we were in the quarantine hotel then there was a chance of us getting separated and mm-hmm. when we found that out i was like and ah, nah, that's i just i can't do that um it was going by myself Okay, but I, I, you know, if we got separated during quarantine, that would just be, it was too big of a risk. And so we had to cancel the trip, um, which is a shame. And I'm not sure when we'll get back to Hong Kong, but we definitely, you know, want to get back uh, as soon as possible. So um, that's a lot of what's been going on. Kevin, you've been doing film festivals. Um, Other than that, you've been watching a lot of movies and, and keeping up and doing
0: anything else of note. Um. No, I mean anything else that I can tell publicly? No, not not really. Uh, we were your just secret life as a like, vigilante. You're I'm not going to tell anybody. your life. Yeah. yeah. Um. Although, yeah, and and although you've you've already kind of, uh, you know, uh, implied that you you you're a member of the flag smashers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Marvel reference. Um, But no, I mean, it's been work, work, work. I've done, uh, it's been a little bit of a low the last couple of weeks, but I've been, I was uh, at the time I was doing quite a few script translations. Thankfully, there's been film productions here in Hong Kong. It's still going on even after the wave. Um, There's some film festival or, you know, small translation jobs. Uh, And I've just been told yesterday that I'll be hosting another Q&A come July, with an actor that I have to interpret. So uh, I'm getting sort of steady work and just trying to do some decluttering around the house, even though I'm looking at the... The huge pile of mess and I'm wondering if it's uh, sort of a waste of time and I'm sort of undergoing a central crisis in real time right now. So I'm going to turn back to the show now. Okay, yeah. (laughs) All right. So our
1: (laughs) film that we're going to talk about this week, of course, we're going to move away from uh, East Asia over to West Asia. We're going to be talking about uh, the film RRR, which is kind of making a lot of waves and taking the streaming networks by storm. Uh, but I do have a Hong Kong-related question before we get into that. Actually, two Hong Kong film-related questions. Are we ever going to see the uh, Louis Koo Step Into the Past movie? <laughs> and are we ever going to see the Louis Koo sci-fi movie? Because I think those were all kind of slated for release the last time we talked. And um not sure if um, those have been shelved again or, or what's up with those. There are
0: two kind of similar answers but in different directions so from what i've read in the, the 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 press uh step into the past has an ending that they can't get past chinese censors because of the time traveling element and of course there's that whole thing about you know you're distorting history blah blah so apparently they they, they filmed the film they've done the, they finished the film the script got past censorship but because um the Completed film censorship is a different body from the script censorship or something like that, or there was like a change in regime in the middle or something. Um, there was a lot of negotiations, or, or they're still under negotiations. Apparently, they can't crack the ending to pass censorship. So, for mm-hmm. a step into the past. So, so, would
1: there be any chance of that getting uh, them sneaking that out as an international release, or is that because it's tied up as a co production that that could never happen?
0: It's tied up as a co-production. They would never release that film ahead of the China release okay. because that's where the bread and butter is. And once it's leaked to any, anywhere else, it's open to piracy. And once the Chinese viewers get their hands on a pirated product, you know, it spreads like wildfire. So so that's stuck. But for Warriors of Future, um, it's been it's past censorship in Hong Kong it has gone through the censorship body it has a 2B rating already it ha- there has been teasers i have translated some promotional material but i've been translating promotional material for that for the last couple of years so it's kind of like it's not guaranteed if i have new promotional material to to translate it's not a, it's not guaranteed that the film is coming out but apparently it, ha- it has been gone through censorship in hong kong it has passed it has gotten a rating and it will come out sometime this year that's what i'm told. Okay.
1: Well, i'm still
0: looking forward to hopefully being able to see both of those,
1: hopefully in the not too
0: distant yeah. future. The, the thing is both films have to come out because they're, you know, he, they're financed by Louis Koo's company and they are not cheap films. So if we want Louis Koo's company to survive and i would like Louis Koo's com- Louis Koo's company to survive those films will have to come out eventually. So I do really do hope they get released.
1: Yeah. And I mean, with like Book of Boba Fett and the new Obi-Wan series, there's going to be so many figures and toys that Lewis has to buy. So he needs that money. Come on, release <laughs> those films
0: already. Green, West green. Not salsa, not flamenco, my brother. Do you know? Desi not? खचते सी जैसे धूल उड़ा के सिंग उठा के तुम भी नाचो जम के ताल ढोल राजूड़ के नाचो हीरों से भी तेज कोई कर सके जो अस्तबल में घोड़े जैसे छोड़ नाचो बीटी रोट मोटा मिर्च ऐसे नाचो हां अच्छा छोरे हां
1: all right, uh, we're not here to talk about Hong Kong films this week, though. As I said, we're here to talk about the new film RRR, um, which can be seen to also stand for Rise, Roar, Revolt. Uh, this is the latest from director S.S. Rajamoli. So if, for those who are familiar, uh, we've talked about his prior films, as uh, parts one and part two of the big epic uh story bahubali um some episodes back um which really that, that i i love those films and this is sort of a follow-up it's unrelated um but it is the next film that he's done and it's it's got a lot of i guess the same kind of um aesthetics that those films had though this is more of a historical fiction so the story of this film set in india in the 1920s Uh, It tells of a young villager named Beam who seeks to recover his kidnapped sister. She was forcibly taken from her family by the despotic British governor overseeing the Indian territory. When the colonial government learns of Beam's plot against the governor, they set a loyal Indian solar named Raju to try and track him down. And so what we get is the sort of a three-hour tale of these two uh, men in their plight. So... I'm going to let Kevin go first to tell us his thoughts on the film RRR. So
0: I, I forgot that we talked about Bahubadi. I was going to ask Paul, uh, Paul if you've seen Bahubadi. Actually. Oh, yes,
1: I've seen it. And and then some, I've seen it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Bahubadi is fantastic. But, um, you know, so RRR, the initial idea is that this uh, fantasy folk hero team up. So if you were talking about like a Western film, because I'm not... I like to put like a Chinese equivalent, but uh, maybe Paul might be better at that than me, which is funny enough. But imagine like Jesse James meets Billy the Kid to fight an oil, oil baron, you know, that's yeah, kind of like, like...
1: In the Chinese context, I'm thinking, okay, so because these are, these are both... This is a historical fiction, but these characters as protagonists were real people. So think of like, okay, uh, Wong Fei Hong meets Ip Man, and they get together and fight the british
0: basically. well it's kind of like it's kind of like romance of the free kingdoms right because that's what romance of the free kingdom is sort of fictional tale of these real figures right. and yes. teaming them up in fictional ways right yes I think correct yeah 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 um so having seen bahubadi i and i've seen i think i saw part two in theaters or something like that but having seen bahubadi i know that rajah muli the director he's got something special he is the type of grand um, spectacle filmmaker that I think Hollywood can't afford to have anymore um, because now we talk about CGI, we're talking about ambition um, I, you know, studios in America they don't have the money or the patience to do these sort of big screen spectacle um, non-franchise uh, epics anymore that's sort of on a scale of say Lawrence of Arabia or um, Gr- I, I, I can't see. I can't even name it anymore. Yeah, or or even Gone to Win, which is another sort of big, epic. Um, but uh, a bit of context first, because uh, RR is a South Indian film, and and I'm saying this broadly because South India. There's a lot of different film, film industries in India, and unfortunately, it's sort of split by Bollywood, which is the the Hindi language. Um, Film industry in the north and then the South Indian industries, which includes Telugu, um, and, and Tamil and a bunch of other languages. But in the past, South Indian cinema was kind of the lesser industry that's been overshadowed by bo- the Bollywood industry, even though Bollywood often remakes South Indian films and vice versa. But the the truth is that in the past, the, the Bollywood industry has been l- much larger. And unfortunately, has sort of become the representative of Indian cinema, even though Indian cinema actually breaks down to a lot of different industries, it's like many, many different industries um, that aren't combined into one. They sort of work independently of each other, even though they're they remake each other's films. You see actors going back and forth sometimes, um, but most mostly they kind they kind of operate as independent industries. But in the past several years. Uh, South Indian cinema has really come into its own. That's partly thanks to Rajamuli's uh, blockbuster. You know, Bahubari was like a huge breakthrough because he's made something that, something a large scale that previously only Bollywood could do, really, or had the budget to do, or had the reach to do. Um, it, so So that's that's kind of how we set up that's how we come into RRR RR, RR, because um rajamouli was um, really boosted by by this the success of bahubali and with this uh huge budget um he was able to do RRR and now the film has outgrown bollywood films globally it's a major game change uh, game changer and it's hard for me to imagine a more suitable film for that um, than RRR um, this is really sort of beating Hindi cinema at its own game type of film. Uh, this is something that's even bigger than what Hindi cinema can do on, on certain levels. Um, and and the fact is that in the past year or two, um, with the COVID pandemic, um, Hindi cinema has sort of been weak commercially. It hasn't gotten the sort of commercial or audience attention that, um, that it used to have. And now RRR has sort of overtaken Hindi film's uh, popularity this, this year. It's been a huge box office hit in India, in all regions, in any language. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see sort of the rise of South Indian film versus Bollywood film. But anyway, that's a bit too much inside baseball, so I'm just going to go straight back into the film. Um, this is a balls-out masala film, what we call masala film, which is what one may... Imagine a typical Bollywood film to be. It has action, it has romance, it has music. Masala is is kind of like a, a Indian dish where everything gets thrown into one big sort of jack plate. So this is a film that has everything. um The action sequences are spectacular and it's unreal and it's cartoonish, and it's the type of film that has dramatic in- entrances for each character that are designed to in- induce cheers in the cinemas, right? I I went to watch uh, a new um, Bollywood film in, over Christmas uh, called 83. It's a film about the um, cricket team that won the world, the first cricket team, Indian cricket team, to win, to win like a world championship, to win sort of the World Cup equivalent of cricket. And the audience went wild for that movie if you um I, i'm sure there's a lot of viral videos showing how indian audiences tend to really cheer in cinemas this is what it's like in real life i mean it, it it does happen you know so every sort of huge play in the film people cheer when the main actors uh show up or veer singh shows up in 83 people cheer when his wife the Peter, the Peter Petico showed up shows up Stage here, it's it's an incredible atmosphere, and and these filmmakers know what can get them get these audiences to go wild. So it's a it's a film that's very much designed for audience reactions. Um, it is also an unabashedly anti-colonial film. Um, for more nuanced but equally anti-colonial film, I would suggest you check out Sardar Udham on amazon uh sardar being Udham, uh it's it's based on the true story uh of a uh of an assassination that happened in england and um which is done by freedom freedom fighter in india of course some would call him a freedom fighter in england they called him a terrorist but it's a very um anti-colonial but a very strong and more nuanced dramatic film about um the colonial period but the thing is, for anyone who's seen a few Chinese films or a few Wong Fei Hung films, or uh, anything in the Wong Fei franchise, I don't think they'll see anything that's very different. It is a anti-colonial film that's borderline racist, but at least you can te- you can see that that sort of hatred comes from a a place um, I would say sensible, but it comes from a logical place. Um, it, it stems from a lot of hate uh, anger that came from a very dark period in Indian history. And for them to sort of release that that anger through cinema, through Masala films, through these very unreal, almost superhero-like action, I think, it's a very creative way of channeling that anger. It is cartoonish as hell as all, on all fronts. This is the type of film where one of the villains has a barbed whip at her disposal. She's just sitting on a, on a, on a balcony, and she's like, stop. Try this, and she just pulls out a barb whip, which is kind of like, You have that? Just like sitting at your feet? So it is very um, cartoonish, but that's where the fun is. You know, I mean, that's the fun of watching a Bollywood masala film or an Indian masala film is that nothing makes any sense. Everything is induced to get you to react, everything is induced for maximum reaction um, without any sort of logic. Um, so those who are who are looking for anything that's remotely realistic, I don't think I don't think you know I don't think you would enjoy Rr. But if you enter RRR, you really do need a bit of sense of humor and irony to get through it at least the first at least if you haven't seen Indian film, you need that kind of sense of humor and irony because everything is sort of taken as a straight face here. there is no it's not there's no metaness, it's not a Hollywood film. it's not an American film. It's not a postmodern film. It's not meta at all. It has no sense of humor about its own sort of flaws it is very straight face and and if you're used to hollywood aesthetics and you find anything else that's hard to accept this is not the film for you um all that aside this is a fantastic heroic bloodshed film it's really an epic bromance it is about the the bond between men and it's um it's just sort of the film that really gets you going. If you enjoyed films like John Woo and John Woo's films, you know, like Better Tomorrow and Killer and, um, or, or all those other heroic bloodshed films, this is a fantastic film for you. And if you've seen Hong Kong cinema, you have a suspicion of disbelief anyway. And so you're fine, you're fine. Just come right in. Um, but like I said earlier, there it also brings all the flaws of those masala films as well. There's a lot of cliches, They're here by the boatload. Um, If you've seen a few um, Indian films that are set in the anti colonial period or in the colonial period, there's always a sympathetic British woman. In Lagan, which is one of the greatest films ever made, about as a four hour film about cricket, there's also a sympathetic British woman. In Sardam Udham, there's a sympathetic British woman here. There's a sympathetic British woman who is just there to sort of be the counter to the evilness that the British brings is that there's always kind of an angel on the side of the E on, on the evil that can help our heroes. And it appears in every Indian film that's set in that period. Um, so it's fine. You, again, you just have to sort of accept everything that's there. The cliches are going to be there, um, but it's just so much fun. It's, the the bond between the characters is so well developed the the actors are so likable um and and the plot and it just sort of gives way to these unreal um, action scenes and i don't want to sort of go into specific about any of them but there's one involving animals that is just something i've i i i, was sat, I watched this at home on my sofa and i cheered out loud on my sofa by myself scaring my neighbors So that's how much fun this film is. Um, For Bollywood fans, look out for star Alia Bhatt in a supporting role. She's uh, a rising star. Uh, In fact, her recent film, and I can't say the name now. One, I don't want to botch the the, the pronunciation. And two, I don't actually remember the name. But her latest film right now, it's on Netflix and has been uh, quite popular on Netflix. But here she is in a supporting role, sort of... um, a glorified cameo, really. She didn't have that many scenes. Uh, she learned Telugu just for this film and she dubs her own indie line. So um, if you're watching this on Netflix, it has the Hindi version. Um, Otherwise, if you want to listen to the original language, uh, the Telugu or the the Tamil version, I think it was done in Telugu, um, you have to subscribe to this Indian um, streaming service called Z5. And I have tried subscribing to Z5 to hear the original version, but I couldn't get to it. They didn't accept my credit card, so I tried. Um, But the thing is, for me, usually I would try and listen to the original language. um, But the thing is, Indian films sort of get dubbed between languages all the time. So I have total faith in the dubbing artists for the Hindi film, Hindi version. It's all done very professionally. They do it between different industries all the time. So I, I see it as, I think it's a good, it's an okay alternative um, for someone who doesn't know the Indian languages, even though yes, it's true that the line, the, the lips don't sync up sometimes, but again, you know, films are ADR anyway in, in India. So it, it makes dubbing very easy. Um, but Aliyah Bhatt dubs her own line, so you can still hear Aliyah's voice um, if you watch. Yeah, I think
1: work. the. I'm looking at Netflix now. I think it is the film you're talking about, Gangubai
0: Kathwadi. Yeah. New 2022 film. Yeah. That's the one. And she's also fantastic in this film called Gully Boy, which is a very serious minded, uh, very serious Indian film. Um, it's sort of an Indian take on Eight Mile. It's about a rapper, but she plays. Really, this girlfriend character who is nothing like the typical girlfriend character we see in even in American films about musicians. So it's a great film. And by the way, if you're looking for it, India does have serious films. In fact, Bollywood has sort of been there are filmmakers who steer away from the typical masala um, formula. They don't do the musical sequences. They do montages, but they don't do the musical sequences. Uh, They're very serious. In fact, the films are shorter because um, usually, uh, you know, Bollywood films are so long because they have all these sort of musical sequences to tell the story. But uh, there are serious films that are run only two hours that are that have no musical sequence that tell socially conscious stories. And those do exist. And it's very easily accessible now if you look on Netflix or Amazon, things like that. But um, that said, I may be too serious-minded to call this a quote-unquote good film per se. It is pretty silly. But it is hugely satisfying in terms of pure cinematic enjoyment. I don't know if I will find something that's more fun than RR this year. And I've seen Top Gun. I like Top Gun. But, I mean, come on. It's RRR. It is epic. It is um, really an Indian commercial film for the ages. And I think it's a culmination. It's a perfect culmination. And... I don't know if it's an entry point though i think paul i'll, I'll leave it to you i'll ask you if there's a good entry point for those who hasn't seen a but a masala film but in terms of a big screen spectacular i i don't know if anything would be RR this here
1: yeah i mean it's uh it's I, it, is it an entry point um maybe not uh but then again i i don't know if i direct somebody to bahubali one and two because those are so long
0: i mean it's it's, and, it's, and, and it's most two of massively Bahubali.
1: epic films. You're you're looking at, at over at six most, hours.
0: Yeah, and most of Bahu Bali in true Bollywood fashion is a flashback. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: um but then again I also wouldn't send them all the way back to say like 2010 with something like uh uh in Thiren, you know, uh, the film in English title called Robot. Um because that's such an older film. There there's a lot between then and now um that's you know equally epic and 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 maybe a better starting point that even i you know uh, cuz i just dip my toes into this stuff you see a lot more of this stuff than i do i do did have a question though um because i remember you talked before i think when you we were talking about bahubali um the the second one um we both got to see that in the cinema i think uh, i saw it over here but you were there you were getting your tickets at um um uh, mansions right
0: shop. I think by that point, I don't remember, because now the shifted operation is to a different shop in Jim Sao But it's like, it's like, it's practically like two blocks away. But the the operation is is basically the same. Yeah, you have to buy, it's an Indian group. It's basically for, for Indian expatriates. And you have to go on, tele, now you have to go on their Telegram group and, and message them on WhatsApp and book the tickets. And you go and pay me, use pay me, because now it's truly, instead of, Going directly to Chunky Mansion to pick up tickets. You just pay them online on, on on my phone, and you go pick up tickets now. But yeah, the it, it's a sort of community screenings, right, which is right. how Indian films. And are. have they
1: been still able to keep that
0: going uh, through
1: COVID, or has that caused them to die off?
0: They stopped during COVID, but once um, film releases started up again, they they're doing it again. So I went to see eighty three, the cricket film, over Christmas, uh, and of course they had to stop during the fifth wave, the last couple of months. But once that started up again, they brought back RRR. Uh, I missed that screening, um, and yeah, they've been now they're doing weekly screenings again. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a pseudo fictional film. So if you're not a history buff, if you're just looking for something that's kind of epic and over the top and you're okay to turn your brain off. Um, you could start with this. Um, as we said, the characters here, the two lead protagonists, um, were real historical characters, uh, but the governor, gover- the governor, his wife, the antagonists, um, for all intents and purposes, represent the British Raj, I guess, the British sort of colonial rulers uh, from this era, and uh, but they are themselves fictional um among those of the cast that some people might recognize because they did uh you know bring in some foreign talent here you have allison duty uh former bond girl from um uh, which bond was she in uh, was one of the later ones I, and uh, i who again uh, allison duty um the the, oh, the wife of you. the governor uh, she was a bond girl she was in the third indiana jones film um and uh you know she is a, a piece of work <laughs> in this film. She's, is she doing the barbed wire? Is she doing yes. with the barbed whip? Yeah, oh, she's, she's, she's so fantastic. She's, she's the barbed whip. Um, View to a kill. That, that, that's that's the one um, she was in. View to a kill. Um, also, Ray Stevenson as the governor. Uh, Marvel alum. He played the Punisher back in two thousand and eight. The, the film um, subtitled as Warzone. And he's been all in all of the Thor films as uh, Thor's buddy Volstag. Um, so they brought him in and he's equally over the top and evil as uh, the governor. I think it's very firmly just saying, you know, take that colonialism. <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing that was running through the back of my mind through this. I think, you know, if you were to, um, again, make this, as a, Kevin said, as a Wong Fei Hong film, uh, you've seen this kind of dynamic where the, you know, the actors coming in and representing the foreign powers are just, you know, two-dimensional evil villains. Um, the, you know, they're just over-the-top evil villains. Uh, not a lot of depth, but you don't really need a lot of depth for the kind of storytelling that they're going for here, right? Um, the bad guys are caricatures. and But is that really any different from the caricatures we get of other villains in other films? I mean, think of the Nazis in the Indi- Indiana Jones films. Think of... Um, You know, any of the characters in superhero films, very often they're just there to be the villain. They may have some motivation, but usually the motivation doesn't make them, you know, sympathetic. I know we could probably get into the whole Thanos thing, you know, on, uh, you know, his his vision of the universe. and, And some people like to play devil's advocate on that. But here, you know, it's just, no, governor kidnaps a girl governor bad governor's wife even worse because she's the one who prompts him to do it and as kevin said she brings out the spiked whip <laughs> so you know it, this is the this is the level of of evil that we're dealing with with um, some of these characterizations um so and you know it's funny i was with allison duty's portrayal as kind of like this you know because at, well, at one point she's saying i want to see him bleed <laughs> I thought there'd be more blood. <laughs> you know, I'm like, really? This, okay, this is—it's possible there are evil people like this. You know, we live in a in a bad, bad world. But I do postulate that this is a superhero film. Okay, I mean it—it's set to be a historical fiction, but it really goes to superhero film levels, especially towards the end. um So as as we mentioned, you've got these two characters; their paths cross; they're at odds. They've got different reasons for being at odds. Um, You've got the character Beam, um, who's this villager, and he's trying to save his sister. Then you've got this character um, Raju, who's a loyal Indian soldier, and he's got his own reasons for being a loyal Indian soldier, and he's tasked to track down Beam. Um, And, you know, so there's conflict that's set up there. But by the end, you know, there's this, there's this, thing that happens and i may spoil a little bit here so if you want to pause and you want to like go and watch it and then come back and listen to it um you know that that would be good but um there's a point when raju is seemingly possessed by the spirit of lord rama um and he basically you know Gets, gets superpowers of archery. He becomes like Hawkeye suddenly, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, it. Uh, look, it I was,
0: was born with it, Paul. Don't you see yeah, the
1: born, flashback? <clears throat> born with it. Yes. Okay. He's the chosen yeah. one. I was He's consi- the chosen. One. I was considering it one. against something like you know, like Moon Knight, right? Where, uh, you know, you got the, the Egyptian deity of the moon, Kanshu comes down and you know, giving powers to a mortal. I mean, we can accept that stuff in a Marvel film so i don't think it's very far reaching at all to look at something like this okay there's not costumes there's not bats involved nobody has a big s on their chest but they are struggling for the heroic journey right it's it's all there it's still there and it's epic and i think it still works um so i don't think i don't think i was looking for real historical fiction here i think you know from the get-go i was you know the the first time they showed me a tiger i was like okay i'm (laughs) i'm down for this okay (laughs) Uh, i'm I'm ready for what this this is gonna bring and i and i had a lot of fun with it um i i think personally i do like the bahubali film saga a bit more only because it's more expansive and more epic in its storytelling um this is a single entity um even though it's three hours long you know, it's 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 not quite as 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 expansive as the Bahu which is a bit more multi generational. But I do think this is a t- better technical film in um, a lot of what it's portraying, um, and it, it shows. I mean, the director has has learned from the previous two Bahubali films, and he's brought you know just like Sui Harkwood, you know, he 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 learns what he can do technically, and then he improves on it. So, um, I, and. He's somebody that is a name that draws me. When I see his name attached to work, I want to I want to see it. I've actually tried to go back and watch some of his earliest stuff, you know. His early stuff is his first film is called um Student Number 1, which is like sort of a rom-com, uh more typical modern, you know, kids in college kind of thing. It it's out there, you know, on on a certain uh platform with a U and a Tube listed in it. Um but it's not subtitled, so uh, a lot of these earlier films, the, the the access, unfortunately, is not there on the international basis. So you kind of have to go at it where you can um, and, you know, just take it without getting a lot of understanding unless you, you know, are going to take a crash course in in uh, Hindi or in um, Telugu. And but there's a desire for me to, to dig into that, but I, you know, unfortunately, um, time and, and access is a prohibitive factor but i do think you know I'd, I'd like to see his early stuff to see the growth you know how how he's grown into these later films and that's something i don't want to do sort of over, over a longer term um so there's a better technical film i do you know there are a couple moments where you know it's a bit questionable there's there's one moment with a cgi deer uh that i say well maybe that was on loan from detective d in the mystery of the Phantom flame <laughs>
0: I've been saying this <laughs> since 2010. In the past Trey Hark would have used real deer. Yeah, real deer. But <laughs> saying it for 12 years. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, you know in the past they would have used a real tiger too and no, nobody <laughs> wants that. Okay, nobody wants that anymore Okay, insurance is just not gonna cover it So uh, did you
0: remember the, uh, <laughs> the opening intertitles? Um, usually, you know in film staff disclaimer about how no animals were harmed. Yeah. Here. It's almost like an announcement We use fake animals for this animal this animal this animal this animal this animal, this animal. <laughs> It's it's not only telling you that these guys were not harmed, but we're using these animals guys. Yeah. It's, it's like a preview. It's amazing
1: yeah um so yeah I'm, I'm teasing it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that bad um but uh you know there are a couple moments where the there, there'll be a bit of an uncanny valley effect that'll that may bring you out of it um but over overall like seven like kevin said there's a moment in the middle in the second act which is just you're not expecting it and it kind of knocks your socks off and then you're gonna go well, okay what are the <laughs> what are they gonna do here you know and what are the, what's gonna come next to, to top that and he manages to do it. I mean, I again, I don't want to give too much away, but where they go kind of towards the end, I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, it's a it's a level of creativity that, you know, I used to feel when I looked at cinema in Hong Kong in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, where it was like directors were just saying, let's just go for it. Let's just do what we can do, be as creative as we can and go for broke and maybe... Maybe it won't work, but maybe it will. And, you know, a lot of times it did. Unfortunately, not many people make movies like that anymore. And and I think this is a director who is still making movies like that. And so I appreciate that. And I love the creative energy that he brings to bear. And this is doing really well. I mean, I think that, that this, this shows because it was made on a budget. It was the most expensive, at the time we were recording this, uh, Indian film to date, a uh, budget of U.S. $72 million. Um, at this time, I think it's done just over $150 million worldwide. So that's a pretty good success. I mean, it's not the gangbuster success that I think Hollywood producers like to have on their hands. But I think, um, you know, that's notable. It's currently ranked number four globally as the highest in- grossing India- Indian film globally. And it's number three uh, among just, you know, Indian box office. Um, so again, it's still kind of behind in, in shifting places with a couple films. Uh, there's a new film that's just come out um, that the name escapes me. Um, that's just it's okay. Here it is. It's a KGF uh, Chapter Two, which has just surpassed it. But some other films like Bahubali Two is still up there. Dangal is still up there in the lists. Um, so yeah, so it's it's doing really well, which is great. Um, and according to the tweet from the official RRR movie channel. Uh, this is the only film in history to trend for number one in the non-English films category for two weeks in a row on Netflix. So they're, you know, for Netflix to get a hold of this, I think is it's been great for us to be able to see it, to get access to it, especially in the time of COVID, and it's doing very well for the film itself. Currently number one uh, in eight countries among and among top ten in 54. Um, so it's. You know it's making a mark, and I think that's
0: good. Um, as uh, I should th- bring up that, uh, K- KGF is also a South Indian film, it's a Kannada film, mm. so again, yeah, uh, for Hindi cinema, this is a huge threat to their existence, I think. Yeah, and um,
1: so if you're out there listening and you haven't seen this, again, it is streaming on Netflix, um, it is only in Hindi on Netflix, yeah. which is a little bit of a disappointment because I mean. I think the director going in makes these as um, Telugu films uh, in, more in mind, and then they kind of post dub into other languages uh, afterwards. But I guess Hindi is the more dominant global uh, version you know, that they want to put out there on the global stage. So uh, when Bahubali came out, I made it. A, I watched the, the Hindi version of, of part one first, and then I made it a point to go and watch um, the Telugu version. Um, And then see the Telugu version when it, I think, when it screened in cinema. Or maybe I saw the Hindi version for part two and then watched it eh, as a while ago. I don't remember. But I I did want to go and see the Telugu versions. But even those were not truly sync sound. So because, again, you get different actors sometimes doing different sync dubs and things. And it's a lot like Hong Kong cinema in that regard, where a lot of times they just didn't they knew they were going to be doing so much post-dubbing that they didn't really focus on sync sound as a big priority. Um, not sure that they did that here with this film, but like I said, I only they only have the Hindi version on Netflix where they, ha- they have three versions of Bahubali 1 and 2 still on Netflix. So you can go take your pick of which version you want to listen to um, if you watch it on Netflix. Um, so yeah, it, lots of options there available, but not for this film, unfortunately, just yet um and physical media can be elusive uh this is i've kept my eye out for um bahubali blu-rays and there are a couple out there there's a european version out there um, but i don't have an international player yet unfortunately and um there are some uh you know digital versions you can buy on itunes and things but uh physical media i haven't like seen a boxed set or something that i've really wanted to sort of lay out some money for yet um so you know there's not a lot of uh, choices there that uh, and i I say there i mean there's some stuff i saw on ebay not really sure um in terms of are those legitimate copies or what what am i buying um in, in those cases so some questions there and so i haven't really laid out for physical media then again digital can go away and I want to say a big thank you to Amazon because I just actually got an email today that one of the titles in my digital library, I guess Amazon lost the rights to. And they said, we can no lo- you can no longer stream this from us, even though I bought it. I bought it outright, the digital copy. So they said, here, here's a refund. I'm like, what? <laughs> what happened to my dream of building digital libraries? That's just, poof, uh, gone up in terms of service, I guess. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, just a just an, another story on the value of physical media for us collectors out there um kevin any thoughts on uh, on these and i mean in terms of the physical media i it's not something that's easily attainable do you think the success of these films is going to make these more popular uh in you know physical media circles
0: no unfortunately in india because of the rise of streaming services uh the physical media has all been gone away i've been trying to look for physical copies of certain indian films i uh, i like so for for example gully boy um and i was hoping they'd been released but no they because of the rise of streaming services in india and the fact that streaming i mean physical media wasn't was never that big in india to begin with and i'm talking about legit physical media um, so it's pretty much gone away. I've been, I've been going to the site that I used to order from. They have, they haven't had a update in a while. So unfortunately that's the reality. Um, as much as I would love to, and I, and I don't like buying digital media from those digital providers, just as you said, um, for the same reasons, because they can take it away anytime. So I personally still prefer, even if I have to digitize my library, I like to do it from a physical Uh, source um but thankfully i still live in asia where for example in taiwan and in hong kong they still release a lot of films on physical media unfortunately in korea it's pretty much gone the same way even though they still release a lot of western films on physical media local films have sort of turned to uh mostly streaming first and then maybe a belated physical media release and again um with people wanted to declutter and with the rise of streaming services, unfortunately that's sort of the, the way it is thing. Uh, now um, it's just that for bigger markets like America, there's still some physical media supporters. So they still buy it and there are collectors and things like that. But in India, it's not enough to sustain that industry. Um, but you were talking about superhero films, Paul. Um, I want to ask you, if you have seen the film Mirali? Have not. Murali? No, not yet. Oh, I think you have a blast. That's like a real proper in su- uh, Indian superhero film, and I think you have a blast watching that one.
1: You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. you have been listening to the east screen west screen podcast you can get in touch with us if you'd like to be part of the show via our website at comcast.com you can follow us on twitter at concast. you can email us at east screen at gmail.com and you can find us on facebook at east s west s as always please do follow along with kevin and all that he does so kevin where can they find out more about you
0: I'm primarily on Twitter now. Uh, you can follow me uh, at The Golden Rock. That's when we're at The Golden Rock. Once in a while, I still update my website called Asia in Cinema. For example, I will probably do a live, um, a live blog of the Hong Kong Film Awards on July 17th. Uh, so that would be on Asia in Cinema. But if you follow me on Twitter, my personal account, you will see me uh, promote it anyway. So i uh, see you guys then. All
1: right. And please do check out our friends over at the podcast on Fire Network, where occasionally myself and uh, Kevin uh, get to come on as guests host from time to time. So until then, this is the East Screen, West Screen podcast asking, do you know Desi Notch? And we'll see you next time.
0: See you next time, everybody.